Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, to the second evaluation show for the 2022 Senior Bowl. We already discussed offense. If you missed that, make sure you go back and check it out on your podcast feed or your YouTube channel. I'm Joe DeLeon here with Ryan Roberts, and we're going to be doing defensive risers and fallers from the 2022 Senior Bowl. Ryan, heading on right into this discussion, the defensive line and the edge group was very, very talented at the Senior Bowl. There were a lot of really, really good players that had really fantastic weeks making this decision to determine who was the riser in the group. And also even for the fallers, who it was was very, very difficult. But going to defensive line first, we can't not mention Travis Jones from UConn, who like some of these other players we talked about on the offensive show coming into the week, not highly talked about, but he was bull rushing people <laughs> to no end, completely driving dudes back, showed off some serious strength and power and looked really, really good in these one-on-ones. Yeah, I feel really good for Travis because it's obviously been a struggle with the UConn team over the last couple seasons. But he, uh, I mean, 6'4 plus, 326 pounds, 34 plus inch arms. Like he started the week out well, obviously, with the weigh-ins. And then he was unblockable. I mean, during this, during the during the one-on-one periods. Like, let's, I mean, let's be very point and blank about that. I, I think that there are some times where he just gets a little too enthralled with his ability to use power. And he's, you know, a guy that maybe doesn't hit a, hit a move or doesn't hit a secondary counter and all that type of stuff. But I mean, there is a great baseline to being a Linval Joseph type, right? Like we're a guy that just dominates in the run game and has absurd power. So he showed out during the week and he was a guy for me that, firm second round player like i would say because there's just like such a baseline and and i know especially uh, people keep talking about like oh jordan davis in the first round if i can get this kid in the second round compared to jordan davis it is a no-brainer because he gives you i think relatively the same impact and it's not going to cost you a day one pick and i think that that a guy like Travis Jones really had a phenomenal week. I mean, you can't really state it enough because there was already a good baseline, but then they voted to show some wins as a pass rusher. I think the upside is still there for him. I think he's a really exciting player. Yeah, he made himself some serious money off of the performance that he had. And he talked about that very, very explosive power, which is just rare to get for some of these guys. So him on day two could be a steal for some teams that need some interior help instead of drafting somebody on day one and maybe addressing some of those more scarce positions. I, would, a, I, would, I wouldn't even think it's out of the question, Joe, that maybe yeah. he even sneaks into the first round. Like, I think he had that type of week, man. Like, it's not out yeah. of the question, you know? So so you, you would put him in the first round, but my Christian Watson in the first round thing was a little too hot for you? Yes, exactly. It's exactly 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> speaking of hurting, uh, Zachary Carter from Florida, faller yeah. for you. Why, what, what inspired that decision? 
There's a conversation that always happens during draft time, and I, I put it on Twitter a couple days ago, and it was actually not directed at Zachary Carter. I'm just going to kind of use preface this by going into this conversation. Is there's a huge difference between a hybrid and there's a huge difference between a tweener, right? Like hybrids are guys that can translate to multiple spots potentially and be a, a guy that is a producer. A tweener is a guy that doesn't really fit into either mold, and they might struggle because they just kind of are in that in that gray area. Zachary Carter is that guy for me. I'm projecting him inside because he's 285 pounds or whatever he is. And I think that in the ideal world, he's more of a five tech, four, four I type of player in, in kind of an odd man front. So that's why he's in the interior defensive line list. But I think whether you saw him working inside or out, like outside, I feel like there's just not enough twitch and there's not enough outside trackability to win, not enough maybe finesse to his game. And then on the inside, I felt like there's just not enough power to win against these bigger guards. He's just in a really weird spot where I don't think that he ha- quite has the traits that to translate necessarily well on the interior or the exterior. So I feel like, I, I mean, there just weren't many wins during the week. And I feel like he's just a guy that is going to have some very big questions on where he potentially fits just from a schematic perspective. Like, I just don't think that he answered any questions going into the week. And talking someone who did have a lot of wins. Yes. I mean, Johnson from Florida <laughs> state, man, there, there were, I can't even, we've said this during the week. I, I don't think we can pinpoint a one-on-one rep where he lost. And we already no. know that this is a super, deep talented edge class there are going to be a lot of teams that need edge pressure and you're going to be able to get that in this year's group but a lot of those guys that are in that top 10 conversation are underclassmen we didn't get to see them but my yeah. sanders was here and jermaine johnson were vying for that top senior spot in the conversation and jermaine johnson really really showed out this week to a point where he pieced out early. He said, I'm good. He dipped out early because he did so well. What are some of the other things that you caught from Jermaine Johnson? Yeah, and this is actually, I mean, Jermaine Johnson was head and shoulders, probably the best player in Mobile. And I feel really bad about it, though, because then we're going to exclude guys like Boye Mafe and D'Angelo Malone and and some of these other Kingsley Enic Barre and, and Maje Sanders to a degree. Like there was guys that were showing out in the defensive end group. But Jermaine Johnson was the best player in Mobile. I mean, point blank, period. It, it, it wasn't even honestly that close for me. And I just uh, I just had somebody use our mock draft simulator over at RisingDraft.com that posted a, in a mock draft for the Jets, and they had him they had Jermaine Johnson going fourth overall. Oh, so wow. the the, co- the conversation started, man, and and I don't blame do it for way, happening. Do you, think, do you think fourth overall is too aggressive? I, I, I think it's outlandish. I think he's a top twenty player, probably somewhere ten to twenty after the week that he had. But I I, I don't know if he's quite gets in that top ten. But I do think that it's very possible that he might be the third defensive end off the board. Like that's not outlandish i think i think maybe eventually you know it's gonna be a good conversation between him and Loftus because they bring a lot of the similar power profile to the get to the table but david ajabo for michigan's a guy that i wouldn't be shocked if he's the third guy just because of the testing that he's going to put up but i think he very hit well has an inside track to potentially be in the third edge off the board because again most dominant week in mobile regardless of position in my opinion there might not be as much to bet on right now because we don't have football going on all we have is the super bowl and i know you can't bet on the senior bowl but you can still make some of these other sports interesting 
like basketball, like hockey, I know that I have to do that to make it a little bit more exciting for me because it's just not the same as football. With the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website for Bet Online for you to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, I have to tell you folks about Masterworks. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a GOAT on the field. He's a GOAT when it comes to investing, too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like a GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing investments in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And even greater art prices outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 and 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2021 and 2020 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with this game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Lastly, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you can never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson freaking dominated to, to an extent where it's tough to include anyone else in that in that conversation, that discussion. And it like you said, it's kind of odd not being able to bring up some of these other guys. And I guess we are just doing, you know brief points, but th- there were a yeah. lot of really good edge players, and it just so happened that Jermaine Johnson was the guy who had the uh, had the best week. Yeah. Now, and it, it, again, D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, Kingsley Anigbari from South Carolina, um, Maje Sanders from Cincinnati. There were a lot of dudes that, and I'm and I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Boy Mafe from yes. from Minnesota. Like there are guys all over that defensive end room. Where honestly, a, lo- a, a I don't want to call it a loser, but like a, a maybe a player that didn't move the table might be a guy that just had a good week because they were just having such phenomenal weeks at defensive end. But you can't forget about those guys because they all did exceptionally well. It just so happened that Jermaine Johnson stole the week from everyone. Right. So I was going to lead into our faller with with the point that you just made. This has to be one of the worst years to have like an average week (laughs) at the Senior Bowl because of how many really good players there are. Because if you do average, you're automatically the worst guy on the list because of all the super, super talented guys that 
that showed out. And, you know, it is what it is. It's a deep class. You're probably still going to get drafted. But Amari Barno from Virginia Tech fit yep. that category for you, and you picked him as your faller. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because Barno, when you're talking about just like kind of highlighting some of the traits that you love at defensive end, like an edge position, he's got long arms, man, a ton of length. He's athletic kid. There's and he hasn't been playing football, uh, you know, for a very long time. So there's upside from development as well. I graded him out. I did my my final report on him already before the before the uh, before the Senior Bowl. I graded him out as a fourth round player because. The out the traits are outstanding, but then there's just like no nuance to it, man. And he lacks power. And I feel like you really saw it this week. Like he can win outside track, but he got stuck at a lot of the apex up the arc because he just like he doesn't understand. He doesn't have tools in the toolbox right now from a pass rushing perspective. He's just a guy that wins purely off athleticism, which is fine because he's going to be built as a developmental player. But when you're talking about guys like Jermaine Johnson and these dudes that showed that they already have tools in the toolbox, it really showcased, I think, that Barnard just does not have that to his game right now. He's a pure Mm -hmm. developmental dude, and I feel like he just didn't win a ton of reps because he was just getting stuck because he didn't really understand how to hit a counter, how to hit a move, how to hit a secondary move. Like He just didn't understand how to do it, in my opinion. Like There's no hand nuance. So a guy that I think just fell through the cracks a little bit because he just was not matching the other edges. And I would be very happy to get Amari Barno somewhere on day three because I think he does have developmental potential. But leaving this week when all these defensive ends showed out, you just left a lot to be desired from a nuance and from a uh, from a uh, a rawness perspective. Like there just was not tangible things right now where I could say next year Amari Barno could be a premier like not premier but be a productive pass rusher in the next level like I just think that he's a guy that's going to need a redshirt year he's going to need to work with the defensive line coach and I think that we saw most of that during his time at at Mobile this week I'm very happy Ryan that you picked another FCS guy to bring up on this list and does Fit that category of going to need a little bit of time to, to fully develop into the position. But Troy Anderson, the mm-hmm. former quarterback running back at Montana State, transferred over to linebacker and was an All-American type player, super dominant. And I spoke very highly of him this yep. week. I've, I've brought him up in any opportunity that I've had the chance to because he flies upfield. He's an aggressive player, uh, just mm-hmm. naturally gifted to play linebacker. Because of his size, his athleticism, going to need some time to fully develop into the position because of the newness to it. But Anderson showed what he's possibly capable of if you can unlock that potential. Yeah, and from his junior year to his senior year, they played him in a lot different of a role. They played him on on ball a ton his junior season, and then senior year, he was much more of a stacked player. And you can see the willingness, right? Like, there's a physicality to him, and there's a good understanding of getting downhill and exploding and taking on blockers and doing all that stuff. But you can tell it's still relatively new and raw to him. I think the thing that that really showed out this week is that this kid's a legit 4-5-something athlete. Like, he can run. And in the past drills, the past coverage reps against these tight ends and some slot receivers and running backs, I felt like he did a really good job staying glued, staying in phase, doing all those things in pass coverage, which gives you a nice baseline, at least early on, on passing downs, because I think that he can do stuff in pass coverage on top of the tools that he has in the run game. So I was really encouraged by Troy Anderson, and I felt like that he showed that he has every layer of potential to the linebacker position that NFL teams are going to value. Yeah, the progression for him, too, has just been significant to a point where you have to pay attention and you have to acknowledge that 
if you can unlock what he's capable of, he could be a very, very good starter for your team. So mm-hmm. he might be a day two guy after this week. And then after we get to see him test and get those numbers, he could really, really slot into that day two spot. We were yep. talking before we hopped on to record Ryan, who mm-hmm. would be a, a possible faller. And it was kind of tough to pick because there's nobody that really had a bad week. But you decided to go with Sterling Weatherford, who is a guy moving from DB to linebacker out of the University of Miami of Ohio. And that's a tough transformation to move from over top to into the box more. What were some of the things that you saw from him that kind of maybe disappointed you? Well, I really like Sterling Weatherford first and foremost. I was a big fan of him during the summer. He was more about six foot three, two hundred and fifteen to two hundred and twenty pounds somewhere in there. And they actually had him playing a bunch of bunch of single high free safety, which is not typical of that body type. And I feel like there was kind of a he was kind of Miami, Ohio's version of Kyle Hamilton. Like that's kind of how they used him. And this week he shows up at 230 pounds and clearly he has designation that, like, hey, I'm gonna show that I could play a true second level linebacker position. And I just felt like I feel like he's going to, again, be kind of in that that Zachary Carter vibe when your sense of like, are you a defensive back? Eh, not really. Are you a linebacker? Eh, not really. I think he's a second-level defender that has some upside as a big nickel type of player. Like I think that he has that vibe to him. But right now, I, I think he's definitely not a true linebacker. Right now, especially at 230 pounds, he's not going to play much safety. So he's just a guy that kind of – doesn't really fit into either box. And I feel like he didn't really stand out much during the week for anything positive either. So good football player, but I think that a team team is really going to have to have a good developed plan of how to use Sterling Weatherford or else I think he's going to fall into again, that tweener label a little bit. Yeah. Tough week to be a tweener trying to figure that stuff out. Last up defensive backs, Ryan, uh, another thing that we were discussing before we hopped on it, it it didn't really seem like any of the DBs had like a, a purely dominant week there weren't a lot of guys that were shutting guys down in one-on-ones and having a ton of uh, uh, pass breakups but Jalen Petrie from Baylor if we were to pick somebody looked the best out of the group because he looked pretty strong in those one-on-one situations uh, was relatively consistent despite some of these other guys struggling a bit yeah, I feel like we talked a lot going in still week about the, I think it was the American defensive back group that had like McCreary and Kendrick and all those dudes. That was kind of like the, the front runners, but like I feel like they, none of them really ascended themselves in my opinion. I felt like it was more after leaving the week of the small school corners or well, not small school because the Watson from Washington State's obviously in the plane of the Pac-12, but the longer, more raw type corners, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State, like those types of dudes. But I felt like the best player just overall from uh, from answering questions was Jalen Petrie because you saw him playing in that nickel role. And, you know, it, it's it's a tough position because he's kind of a, you know, he's a little bit of a not perfect fit into as a nickel player, but he showed a lot of man skills, which you didn't really see on tape at Baylor. And I think that he really kind of answered some questions about, what is his big selling point in coverage? I feel like he showed a lot more chops than maybe you 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 thought that he had on top now of, of playing the run as well as he does and playing with the energy that he does. I thought you left very impressed by the prospects of Jalen Petrie to be potentially playing a true safety role rather than being, a again, a guy that kind of falls in that tweener label. And Darian Kendrick, you picked as the faller for the defensive back group. And Kendrick yep. coming into... The season was considered to be maybe like a late first round guy. He deals with the off the field issues. He leaves Clemson, goes to Georgia, 
And we don't really talk about that off the field stuff after the really good season that Georgia's defense had. But he doesn't really do himself a lot of service here this week where he looked a bit sloppy uh, compared to some of these other guys. And I haven't seen his Georgia film yet, but I've heard he looked fantastic in his lone season. He was a guy that had all the tools at at um, Clemson as a former wide receiver that made the transition to cornerback. So you were excited about the prospects there. But, man, I felt like he just did not look good. He did not look comfortable. I thought he looked a, t- a touch slow, to be honest with you. And I don't know if it's just kind of like – you know, I, I don't know if it's like a long-term just kind of exhaustion from the season because obviously right. they played a lot of football games coming off the national championship game. Like, I don't know if that had its effects on him, but I just felt like he did not look quite like the caliber of athlete that I anticipated him being. And I felt like everything just kind of looked sloppy and it looked a little bit slow. So he has plenty of time to, to you know, get that turn in the right direction. But I did not think that it was a good week for, for Darian Kendrick overall. All right, folks, that's going to be it for us on this episode. Be sure you hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in because we've got a lot more fantastic interviews and draft coverage. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.